Scrooge Family Ghost by Todd Puccio, version November 2023. Chapter 3, Part 5. Dick's hair began to gray and his shoulders would stoop forward when he worked at his desk. Previously, he would also, on occasion, join the workers in the warehouse, moving stock around. But recently, pains in his back and legs prevented him from those labors. There were some new warehouse men they had taken on, and some of the older, more trusted warehousemen began to become morose and difficult. Fred continued to visit his uncle on the first Tuesdays of the month. During recent months, Uncle Ebenezer advised that Fred should always keep his ears and eyes on the common laborer, that men are thieves and slackers when not kept in line, and so as the laborer goes, so goes the business. Fred made it his particular concern to apply this lesson to his daily business and began to notice some hushed conversations of the workers at the warehouse. Over the course of the next few months, Dick suspected that some of the workers were pilfering and slacking in their work, and this seemed so unlikely, as Mr. Markelson was quite diligent and accurate with his bookkeeping. Even Fred's frequent inventories would sometimes seem to indicate pilfering, but later they would balance upon recounting. Late one Friday evening after wages had been dispersed, Markelson and Dick handed Fred some leftover deposits for Fred to bring to the bank. Fred agreed to this, as he had done often before. He also had his wages and his father's wages to deposit as well. Fred closed up the front of the shop and sat down in the darkened office to consider some figures for his personal accounts. He smiled at the prospect that he would soon be fully of age and also have enough funds to ask for Jenny's hand definitively. Fred came, became distracted at another one of those hushed conversations in the back of the warehouse. He extinguished the candle at his desk and used the rising moonlight through the windows to slowly w- walk further into the warehouse. He recognized the voices of Mr. Markelson and one of the warehousemen named Ben Hodges. Mr. Markelson angrily spoke in heated whispers, Hush, you fool! I told you not to speak of this here. The warehouseman in a thick, cockneyed accent, I've done my part. I want my pay now. Uh, You will get it as promised, but not here. If you manage to resist the drink for just a little while longer, then go to the prearranged place right away. You'll get it there and then. Now leave, or I'll split your head open with my cane right here and now. You wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? I'll tell Mr. Wilkins that I caught you pilfering the stock. Then you attacked me. Don't test me. I promise you I know how to pummel the likes of you to mere inches of your life with my stick, and I'll not hesitate any further to do it. Fred heard Hodges grumble and groan and then leave the back out the back door. Then Fred quickly returned to his office desk and hastily relit the candle. Mr. Markelson came into the office and considered Fred for a moment. Fred, you didn't... I didn't realize you were still here. Weren't you going to the bank? Yes, Mr. Markelson. I was just finishing some last bits of personal bookkeeping. Then then I will lock the doors and be on my way. Markelson glanced around the room suspiciously and then turned around, bid Fred a good night, good night, and exited the office 
and left by way of the back door. Fred waited about ten minutes and then left. While he was outside heading to the corner where he commonly caught a cab, he saw Ben Hodges exiting a pub loudly, announcing that this was only his first drink of the night and that he would soon return and to buy the lot of his mates around from his own pockets. Then he headed down the street adjacent to Fred's path. Fred considered what he had heard earlier and decided to follow this man to this prearranged place that he had heard about. He wanted to see what was behind the conversation. He wanted to see what Markelson was up to. Fred was careful to keep a distance and stay on the opposite side of the street as he watched. Ben Hodges was a mixture of various humors. One moment he would skip like a child, and in another moment he would be cross at a passing child with a dog and attempt to kick the little canine. Twenty minutes of walking into an unsavory part of town, Hodges ducked into an alley. Fred knew this was a dangerous part of town, but he couldn't let go of his curiosity and sense of indignation that these men may have been cheating him and his father. Now, I'll tell you, Fred had rarely been in a situation where he needed to defend himself. During his years of schooling with other boys, he was usually able to win bullies over with his wit and smiles. A few tough boys that pushed or bullied Fred were usually warded off by Fred's considerable cadre of mates who liked him. Fred was not by any means tested in the ways of the fist, and he decided that he would not let this inexperience stop him from his current mission. Fred slowly and carefully followed Hodges into the alley. He heard the voice and perceived a silhouette of Hodges behind an alley door that was slightly ajar. He was exclaiming thanks to some unseen gentleman for paying up the money he was owed. And thank you, Governor! Then he quickly stammered out from the door back back into the alley. Fred quickly pushed himself against the alley wall in an attempt to blend in. Luckily, Hodges was facing the opposite direction as he passed and seemed momentarily disoriented. Fred saw a tall pile of debris near him and crouched behind it just as the man reclaimed his bearings went out of the alley the way he came. When Fred came out from behind the debris, he started to look around to see where Ben Hodges had gone off to. That is when he heard the voices of a few other men nearby in the alley. Dusk had it already turned into night. Fred could barely see the three or four figures who were lit by the lights shining out from the various back doors and kitchen windows of the alley. And what do we have here? A snooper, eh? One of them said. The second answered, Yeah, I don't think I have ever seen this bloke around here before. And look at his clothes. Seems to me he's not from around here. Let's give him a proper welcome to the neighborhood. Fred scarcely had a moment to say a word. In fact, he was filled with fear and probably could not give rise to any words that would have helped in this situation. He took a few steps into the opening of the alley and was blocked by a fourth or, or fifth figure. He felt a blow to the back of his head, then to his stomach, then to his arms as he tried to protect his face. Fred lost track of how many blows and where he was struck. All he knew was that he had lost his strength and he could not stand. Warm liquid, he assumed was his blood, flowed over his eyes as he felt the rough ground scrape on his knees and elbows. 
he heard what seemed to be hundreds of voices growling and laughing and insulting him. His senses were disoriented, his ears were ringing and his eyes were blurred, his nose and mouth tasted salty blood and dirt. He felt arms and hands pulling at his coat and pants, emptying them of their contents. Then he heard what he thought was a loud and deep commanding voice nearby. It was a familiar voice, but he could not be sure whose. Beyond the noise and the ringing of his ears, he even thought he smelled a familiar odor, which in this confusion he could not place. Here now, who is this? Oh my! Stop that, you hooligans, or I'll thrash the lot of you. Leave that young man alone and run along, or else I'll never want to see your faces again. Help him up! Push him up! Along! Push him along! His way! You've thrashed him enough to teach him a lesson. He'll not be coming around here again. Fred could still see very little detail around him. A hundred hands lifted him up from the ground and pushed him out of the alley into the street. He sensed a horse stopping near him and creaking, halting of the cab that it was pulling. The driver yelled and insulted the disoriented young man, accusing him of being drunk. Fred managed to stagger off the street and lean up against a building off the street and wiped his eyes. He was able to limp back towards the way he came from this terrible place. Then he saw Gubma. Gubma slithered up the street. Gubma slinged up his legs, turned them cold, and consumed his chest. Then over his neck and into his mouth and nose, that he could not catch his breath, and then blackness over his eyes.